Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Our stories are told. I got 
thank you for being the voice of Black America, Rolling. Stay black. I love y'all. All momentum we have now, we have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? Today is Wednesday, July 13th, 2022, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. A uh, shocking video of what took place inside a Uvalde elementary school shows how pathetic the Uvalde police officers were standing around, one of them putting sanitizer on their hands while children being slaughtered. The Austin American statesman reported uh, this. Uh, authorities in Uvalde are angry and upset with them, saying it was leaked. They're more pissed with the so-called leak than they are with the actions of the police. We'll talk with Congressman Al Green of Texas about uh, this uh, very uh, video. Folks, we continue to talk about what's happening in the country when it comes to COVID-19. Uh, so many people are being impacted by this new variant uh, that's going on across the country. Uh, it is extremely deadly, and folks need to understand that we have to take precautions. And so we're going to make sure that uh, you do the same thing uh, because far too many of our folks are getting ill. Uh, one of my colleagues with the Black Information Network, Tina Myers, uh, has passed away. We'll pay tribute to her uh, on today's show. And we'll also uh, have our Essence 22 recap. We've got some uh, more great uh, stuff there, including the cast from The Proud Family, the animated show. Uh, we have, of course, the crazy Tommy Davidson, who's going to be joining us uh, and uh, a few other folks. It's time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the find. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. Disturbing video from inside of Rob Elementary in Uvalde, Texas, 
has been released by the Austin American Statesman newspaper. Officials there are angry because they said they were going to be releasing the video on Sunday. But the newspaper uh, released it uh, on Tuesday. We want to warn you that some of the videos you're about to watch are extremely graphic. Folks, here you can see the gunman entering the building up until the moment where the shooting began. Now, uh, you're gonna be so, uh, again, you see the gunman uh, there, you see one of the kids uh, take off there. Uh, it is, uh, trust me, extremely uh, shocking, shocking video uh, to have to witness. Uh, also, uh, the officers, uh, when they arrive on the scene, they wait more than an hour to engage the suspect. Um, and folks, uh, and so if, if y'all roll the video, uh, you, you'll see the officers coming in as they're now going down the hallway. But here's what's crazy, folks. So you see, this is totally different than what we were initially told. You see, there are four officers who are there in the hallway. Now you see five, six officers. Now you see seven officers. You see enough individuals there where they could have went into that room and saved those children. Now they're backing off. Uh, we've heard so many lies, so many lies from uh, authorities. Remember that we were told they, had, they were waiting uh, for to get a key to enter the classroom? That was a lie. Remember they, were, they initially told us, oh, the brave law enforcement and the actions they took? That was a lie. We found out they could have actually engaged with this uh, uh, shooter outside of the school. Uh, they said they could not. That was a lie. We have heard lie after lie. And in fact, the city of Uvalde, they tried to stop this from being released. Media outlets began to report. Here you have, guys, look at this here. You have seven cops armed with assault weapons running away from one gunman. Remember, 19 children were gunned down. Two adults were gunned down. And these cops, for more than an hour, were in that hallway. There's video of one officer, again, putting hand sanitizer on. There's another officer who was looking at his phone uh, uh, during the whole thing. It is utterly outrageous. Uh, joining us now is Congressman from uh, Houston, Congressman Al Green. Congressman, glad to have you on the show. Um, Last night, uh, there was a news conference and there were parents who were upset that they did not get to see this video before it released. Uh, city officials were angry with the Austin American statesman saying they should have waited. Uh, here's some of what the parents said last night. Another parent got a call saying that somebody got a hold of it. It got released and it got leaked. And they didn't have our permission from it, from us to do so. And it went on the air not too long ago, and you know they were supposed to do it without, I mean, without our consent. For one, they, they they didn't have our consent, and you know we didn't want any audio. And these SOBs did it. It got leaked. We're very angry, and we want justice for our kids. And for this to be let out without us even being seen first, we are the parents that lost our children. We're supposed to do this together first, not for the world. We're suffering, and I know the world is suffering too, but these were our babies, our babies that were taken from us. 
So to the person that leaked it, screw you. Screw you, and that's coming from me, Felicia Martinez. From all of us, screw you. Congressman Green, um, I understand the anger of the parents. Whoopi Goldberg was under view and she blasted the Austin American statesman, uh, saying that she uh, said it was just wrong for them to do this here. I worked at the Austin American statesman out of college. As a member of the media, and this has to be said, Congressman, that video, that's public records. The reality is um, we, we have heard lies from day one. And the record needs to be corrected about what took place. And so I believe the American statesman did the right thing by releasing the video because all we have gotten from the city of Uvalde and from the Uvalde School District and from Texas Governor Greg Abbott have been lies. And this is the public right to know uh, in, in, involved here. So just uh, your, your thoughts about this whole sordid affair. Well, it's a sad sordid affair. It's the kind of thing that you hope would never happen. And the pain that these family members are enduring is not something that anyone should have to suffer. Uh, it makes tears well in your eyes and your heart bleeds. I, um, I see the cover-up, and that's what it is. It's a cover-up, because this is very similar, not the same, but similar to the George Floyd video. But for the video in the George Floyd case, I don't think we'd have the verdicts that we have now. The video spoke the truth to power. These videos, this video speaks truth to power, and it shows Persons, these good guys with guns who are supposed to be able to take out bad guys with guns, standing around, cleaning their hands, sanitizing, talking to each other, hearing gunshots, hearing screams. I am told that there's a video with an audio that reveals the screams of the children. If all of this is happening, there has to be some accountability. Just as there was accountability for George Floyd, there has to be accountability for these families. These officers cannot be allowed to simply indicate they were waiting for additional support and help. They had guns, they had body armor, they had shields, and they didn't have the one thing that they should have had, and that was the will to save lives. This is what they were sworn to do. I regret that it happened this way, but they have to be held accountable. This is a cover-up, and every person who did not speak up about this is involved in this cover-up. Every person who is involved in it has to be punished in some and, way. And that, Congressman, is why I believe the American statesman should have released this, because we can't... We flat-out cannot trust anything that comes out of Uvalde. We can't trust any of it. We can't trust any... When, when, when they had that news conference and Beto O'Rourke stood up and called them out, they chastised him, how dare you shut up and sit down, and they were all up there lying. 
And that was the governor's news conference, by the way. When he, when he approached, he was approaching the governor of the state of Texas. So the governor of the state of Texas himself was a part of this, either wittingly or unwittingly, but a part of it. And the governor himself ought to be demanding more. The governor has awesome power. He has awesome executive powers, and, and he has a, a force that he can use. But the governor is too busy trying to avoid passing gun safety laws to allow himself to get involved with this. I believe we need to start at the very top or the bottom and work our way to the top. But the governor is involved in this, and he needs to make sure that he clears his name. His name hasn't been cleared for me. Uh, the governor needs to do more. Um, I've had, I've seen where other parents uh, said, "How dare you vow to be more angry about the release of the video if they're calling a leak than actually what's on the video?" Yeah, that's uh, that's quite remarkable, isn't it? That the constabulary, the members of the uh, city. Uh, constabulary in the police, the council members, perhaps. Uh, I'm not sure who, who they all are, the mayor. I heard uh, one member of uh, the, the, the official um, body there indicate that he was so upset about the release of this. And while I can understand uh, the family members uh, being upset, uh, they would, would expect the courtesy of seeing this. But what I don't understand is how we can say that it shouldn't be released at all. Uh, and there are some people who are saying this. This is what it's going to take to get justice for these families, uh, this video being shown. This is an Edmund Pettus Bridge moment. Uh, that It was the crossing of the Edmund Pettus Bridge shown across the world that made a difference for civil rights in this country. It is a viewing of this video that's going to make a difference for those families in Uvalde. I understand their pain and their suffering, and I, I'm grieving with them, but I don't feel their pain. This is pain that I can't feel. But I do believe that they have a right to, to say to people how they feel about it, and I respect that. Now, I want to add one additional thing. If we had more than 15 officers with body armor, shields, and guns, and they did not take out this bad guy with a gun, how can we expect a teacher with a pistol to take out bad guys with guns? Right, right. I mean, <laughs> we're showing the video right now. They literally have assault weapons. They have uh, the protective armor that you normally see with riots that's bulletproof. They have that right there. Okay. And, and, and we're talking about more than the fifth, you know, 15 cops. It's one guy with a gun in the classroom. It's 19 yes. kids, two adults. It's about 15 of them, and they were scared to go down the hallway. It, it, it literally raises your blood pressure, and, and it causes you to become irate. I understand it. And, and for us to, to make this argument that teachers ought to be armed, this, this in, in fact, disproves that theory. Uh, this is the proof beyond a reasonable doubt. It's the clear and convincing evidence. It's all we need to get rid of this myth that we need to arm the teachers. Let teachers teach. Let's make sure that schools are secure. And that way, we don't worry about bad guys having to be taken out. And I contend still that to do this properly, we've got to do something about these assault weapons 
that are on our streets. I, I am standing where I've been. I will continue to be here. We've got to get these AR-15 type assault weapons off our streets, these bump stocks, these high-capacity magazines. There is no reason for us to allow this con to continue. And I would warn all of my colleagues, those who vote against these gun safety rules to protect the public, you have the blood of people in Uvalde on your hands. And when this continues, you will have the blood of people on your hands because we can stop this. We don't have to have these guns on the streets. And we are the people who can do it. The question is, will we get the will or will we be like these officers? All of us standing around, casting our votes, knowing that lives are going to be lost in the future. They've already been lost in the past, and we know that it's going to happen again. Um, the, uh, this is from the American statesman right here. To your particular point about how these things change, um, the Uvalde, let me try to pull it up here, uh, the Uvalde County Commissioners, they are now calling on Governor Greg Abbott uh, to call a special session to raise the age to buy assault rifles to 21. This is the type of pressure that is needed to get action uh, in these cases. It is. And let me tell you who should be a party to applying pressure. The business community. Yep. It's time for the business community to take a stand. Uh, Dr. King said the truest measure of the person is not where you stand in times of comfort and convenience, but where do you stand in times of challenge and controversy? Where does the business community stand on these assault-type weapons? Tops was a business. That was a grocery store. The Walmart was a business. We are finding that businesses are going to suffer, and as a result, people in the neighborhood suffer. I'm having a hearing next week, and we're going to, at that hearing, examine how these mass shootings impact the economy, impact housing, impact communities. And we are finding that people want to move away from communities where there's a mass shooting. We're finding that uh, businesses will lose money after a mass shooting takes place. This business community has to speak up. They cannot be allowed to simply sit silently by and count their profits. Absolutely. Congressman Al Green, we surely appreciate this. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, sir. Honor to be on. Thank you. Uh, I want to bring in my uh, panel right now. Uh, joining me right now is uh, Tanya Washington-Hicks, professor at Georgia State University, College of Law, Robert Patillo, executive director, Rainbow Push Coalition, Peach Tree Street Project. Uh, and we'll be joined shortly by Monique Presley, legal analyst and host of Make It Make Sense with Monique Presley. Robert, I'm going to start with you. Uh, you are someone, you own a number of guns. Uh, we've talked about that on the show. This is pure cowardice, Robert. I mean, when you see that video, and, and, and when you, and, and again, I, I get parents being upset, but when you see this video, and you see, look at the number of law enforcement that is in that hallway. My, are you serious? 
You're absolutely correct. And, and I, I definitely empathize with the parents. I, I'm not quite sure why there was an imperative um, to release this before the agreed upon date. I can't imagine the pain of being a parent and being at work. And then this uh, shows up on the television screen where you're not prepared for it. Or if you thought there was a date where this would be released and now it's on social media percolating the, the amount of trauma that that could cause. Uh, so I do think that they should have uh, uh, released it at the agreed upon time. But that does not absolve the police department of the absolute uh, failures at every single level. Everything they told us for the first two weeks of this investigation was an outright lie. I'm not talking about a misunderstanding, not a shading of the truth. Absolute outright lies. And they act as, acted as if they didn't know there was video uh, that was coming out. They knew that the school had video. They knew that there was... Um, Surveillance. They knew that eventually the truth would come out, but they still lied. I do, um, there are provisions of Texas state law that allow the state to come in and dissolve a local law enforcement department and then rebuild it from the ground up, and that appears to be what is needed. These individuals had bulletproof vests on. It's very unlikely that the shooter in this case was walking around with armor-piercing ammo where they had to be afraid to go in there. Um, initially, they said they did not have the weaponry. We saw multiple individuals with AR-15s uh, uh, among law enforcement. We saw them running away from the door. Um, the fact that they had the opportunity to engage this person prior to going into the school and were directly behind him going inside and then listened to children screaming and be, um, being slaughtered directly in front of them and did absolutely nothing. I don't believe anybody in this entire chain of command or in this police department should be allowed to keep their job at this point in time. You have to dissolve that part. department. It is corrupt from the bottom up, every level of leadership, and start over from the ground up. Congressman Arena, uh, what about that? I mean, uh, the, you know, do you believe that yes. this department should be uh, uh, should be uh, you know terminated and start from the ground up? Because, I mean, I don't know how anybody could trust anybody in this department with the lies that we have heard in the past month. Should should this department be dissolved? and rebuilt, Congressman. Thank you for uh, inviting me back in. I'm sorry, I, I missed my cue. Uh, I concur with you. Uh, this is what I mean by the governor and the executive branch having this awesome amount of authority. Uh, I think that this cover-up is something that is unlike things that we have seen before, and you have to take extraordinary measures unlike we see uh, if, in, in, in most times. So, yes, I, I would concur. Let's start anew. Let's do what we can to give assurances that we won't have this level of insidious prevarication to manifest itself. And I think the best way to do that is to start from the ground up. We do need to do this. And the governor has that kind of authority, and he ought to use his awesome authority to deal with this awesome cover-up. Tanya, your thoughts? You know, I want to just say that I understand the parents having to witness this before they were prepared for it and to witness it in public. Um, and, and so I do want to say that their outrage at having to see this before they had a chance to process it is warranted. It is not warranted, however, for the public officials to be more outraged about the leak than they are about what I think you aptly describe, Roland, as pure cowardice. These people are being paid to protect and serve. They did neither in that instance. 
And if they're afraid of these weapons, if the police are afraid of these weapons, then the public doesn't need to have them. And there were parents who were confined, who were trying to get into that building to save their kids. If the police aren't going to do something, let the parents do what parents do for children, which is protect them. It is absolutely outrageous. Uh, indeed, indeed. Uh, Monique Presley, we were just showing, we, we showed the video, we got Congressman Al Green on, uh, and, and it's uh, to watch that video and to watch the number of cops in that hallway for an hour, and we're not playing the audio for a reason, but they did nothing. They didn't even go, they stood outside. H how do you, one gunman, with, a, with, with, with an assault rifle, 15, 20 cops, and they did not engage knowing full well what was happening inside. Monique? Yeah? Uh, again, your thoughts on the release of this video of the Austin American statesman just showing the sheer incompetence of these Uvalde cops after they lied to us and talked about how just courageous and brave they were uh, in this case. Oh, I'm sorry. I couldn't hear you, so I didn't hear the question the first time. Forgive me. But no, I, everything about this um, is is hideous. It's a worst-case scenario. It's a complete failure, lack of responsibility to do the one thing that they're responsible for, which is to keep us safe. There was a breakdown of protocols. There was an abandonment um, of position and of responsibility, to me, across the board. Um, it, it is just, uh, again, it's, it's, just, it's just incredible. Uh, what we're seeing here. Um, um, Congressman, do you believe that, I mean, we, we've seen the Supreme Court decision when it comes to the issue of guns uh, in New York State. Uh, we've, we saw, of course, uh, the gun bill that was uh, signed into law uh, Monday by President Joe Biden. Um, I, 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 I would hope, I would really, really hope that Texans, uh, are, are really taking seriously this gubernatorial election uh, and to show how Greg Abbott, Dan Patrick, and Republicans in the state have utterly failed Texans, not just when it comes to guns, but the number of mass shootings that have happened in Texas in the past five years. I mean, shoot, we don't even, let's not even bring up the, the electrical grid and that absolute mess that's happening there. I mean, these people do not need to be in power. Well, you'll get an amen from me. Um, if you want to add to the story, what about Hurricane Harvey and persons who are still suffering and the way the government's land office in Texas uh, brought it the efforts to help people who are indeed in need of help uh, and tried as best as they could to send the money to people who were barely impacted by the hurricane. Houston was the epicenter of this hurricane, received over a trillion, trillion gallons of water. So, yes, the list is long. And it, I contend that uh, people ought to vote their interests. So if you had a problem with your electricity and you understand that it hasn't really been repaired, vote your interest. You're worried about Hurricane Harvey and similar thing happening to you because we are susceptible to these things. We live along the Gulf Coast. Vote your interest. If you think that guns uh, in the hands of 18-year-olds is something that's a liable, that's liable, as opposed to making persons who sell these guns to these people liable, uh, you still have to vote your interest. 
And I, I would also contend that these gun manufacturers, uh, they, they have to be uh, given the same treatment that other major corporations that deal with lethality have. They, they can't be immune from prosecution. Uh, and I'm talking about civil litigation. They can't. We've got to do something about that. So the governor has a lot on his plate. And if people will vote their interests, we'll probably have a new government in the state of Texas next year. Uh, well, I certainly hope uh, that is the case. Congressman Al Green, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you, sir. All right, folks, got to go to a break. Uh, we'll talk about the abortion hearing taking place on Capitol Hill. Let's just say um, when you roll up against a black female legal professor, Josh Hawley, you may want to study up before you get on her bad side. We'll show you this exchange next. Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Who didn't? I mean, he's a, he's a he's a genius. But then also, I was this 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 kid from Brooklyn right. that felt like you know. Give me my damn respect. I, you know, I, I I made this you know this creative art right that people are responding to, and it would have been great if we had the opportunity to sit one on one. Hold on one second. Okay. Spike. So I'm in LA right now. I got a one-on-one -on -one series with my network, Black Star Network. And I'm interviewing Maddie Rich. I appreciate that, bro. That, that was, that's a big moment, man. That was like, uh, man, that was good. Got me all choked up. That's good. Well, I'm all about connecting. Appreciate that. by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives, and we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. Hey, everybody, it's your girl, Lunell. So what's up? This is your boy, Earthquake. Hi, I'm Chaley Rose, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. For the last couple of days, there have been hearings on Capitol Hill in the House and the Senate uh, dealing with the issue uh, of a woman's right to choose and reproductive rights. Uh, the hearing today in the House took place, but, man, it's the one yesterday in the U.S. Senate that folks are still talking about. Uh, it, was, uh, it was quite something to see 
this uh, back and forth exchange uh, between uh, Josh Hawley. Y'all know who that is. That is the crazy, deranged, MAGA-loving idiot uh, from Missouri who is a United States senator uh, who um, is one of the most, again, despicable folks uh, in the United States Senate. Well, he got into um, this back and forth, y'all, uh, with um, Berkeley law professor uh, Kiara Bridges over the issue of transgender, reproductive rights. Let's just say she wasn't here for no bullshit dealing with Hawley. Uh, Professor Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, there are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. It's a, it's, we can it's recognize a that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is, is that the core of this, this right then is about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important Because of my line of questioning? Because so we can't talk about it? Because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist I'm is denying that trans people exist by asking Are you? you if you're talking Are you? about women Are you? having pregnancies. Do you believe that the, uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think so. <laughs> so you are denying that trans people like this thing. And that leads to violence? Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you? Absolutely. Or are they also treated like this? Where no, no, no. They're, they're told that to they're opening up people to oh, violence. We have a good time questioning. in my class. You should join. Oh, I bet. You might learn a lot. Wow, I, I would learn a lot. I've learned you, a lot I just know. in this exchange. Absolutely. Extraordinary. Yep. Um, you might learn a lot. Uh, that, that's a good one there. Uh, Senator Maggie Hassan of New Hampshire uh, talked about the overturning of Roe v. Wade and how significant it is. That the end of Roe is not the final goal of anti-choice extremists. Their ultimate objective is to ban abortion nationwide. We have to hold the line against any efforts to enact a nationwide abortion ban and keep fighting to protect a woman's fundamental freedom. This is, after all, about whether women are allowed to make their own complex life and health decisions. Uh, Senator John Higginlooper of Colorado shared a story regarding his mother on this issue. Uh, uh, I was born in 1952, so the issues around abortion were uh, uh, of intense discussion, obviously, in those days. And, uh, my mother was a single mother, raised four kids by herself, and we discussed frequently the the, the issues surrounding abortion. Uh, and this was kitchen table discussions. It was my mother's. No matter how lean our household budget may have been, she tried to give every year some donation to Planned Parenthood. Uh, some years it was uh, ten dollars. Um, but she felt that the, the, a, a woman 
who was forced to carry a child uh, to, uh, to birth that, that they were not ready for, that they uh, didn't intend, uh, was being forced to give up part of their life and to have challenges and obstacles that would make their achievements in life far, far more difficult and oftentimes would lead to devastating results. Now, what has also been quite interesting has been watching how um, Republicans have spent the last several days calling it a lie about uh, a 10-year-old girl who was raped in Ohio and had to travel to Indiana uh, to get an abortion. Uh, and if you want to see how these folks behave, uh, check out this uh, tweet here from Ju Judge Legon. Let me get it in here. A 10-year-old girl was raped in Jim Jordan's home state of Ohio. Jordan publicly called the story a lie. Then after the rapist was arrested and confessed, Jordan deleted the tweet without any acknowledgement or apology, y'all. This is the tweet. The Washington Examiner did this tweet, said Ohio AG Dave Yost said his office has not found any evidence of a 10-year-old rape victim in the state who, according to reports cited by President Joe Biden, was six weeks pregnant and traveled to Indiana to receive an abortion. Now, that same Ohio AG, uh, he said it was a lie. Here's Jim Jordan saying another lie, anyone surprised? Guess who lied? Jim Jordan. Because the man who raped that 10-year-old was arrested today. And y'all, the backtracking of Republicans uh, has been intense all day long. I'm going to pull up some um, uh, other tweets in a second. Uh, and so it, it, it was, it's, it's really interesting, uh, uh, Tanya, to see again all oh, how the GOP is playing this. They all got busted because, again, they lied. They, they kept calling everyone a liar. Now a person has been arrested for raping that girl, and now they're all trying to backtrack, saying, oh, it's good that someone got arrested. Uh, and, and then this whole, that, that whole back and forth, because I've been seeing, oh, here, leftists go. What the professor was saying when she said that a trans man can get pregnant, what she's talking about is if a woman, a, if there was a woman who, be, who was a, became a trans man can still get pregnant, but they call themselves a man. That's what she was explaining, correct? Yes, that, that is what she was explaining. That is what he clearly did not understand. And what we do in law school classrooms is teach people to think critically and logically. And he seemed frustrated by the fact that she was pointing out the limits of his understanding. Uh, what was interesting here, again, we, we talk about, um, again, the, the whole deal. Check this one out here, uh, Monique. After Fox News' Aisha Hasney reported Tuesday that, according to a source close to the situation, an arrest warrant is expected soon in the Ohio 10-year rape case, Tucker Carlson claimed on his show that the story, quote, turned out that story was not true. Uh, boy, they, they, they did a whole lot, Monique, trying to uh, deny what is now a true story. And it goes to show you what is happening on the GOP side of the aisle on this issue. 
Right, but it also shows uh, the need for and the blessing of good reporting when it's done. Uh, I saw several stories about just the couple of one, three, I think it was really just one, but but I think I hear now there were two reporters who were actually in the courtroom when the 27-year-old man was um, arraigned on these charges, and that's what we need, because otherwise... Fox, the Tuckers of the world, can run with their lie and their followers will believe it to be true yep. until it's proven otherwise. And so that's why it's necessary for us to actually be, ha be able to have reporting on the ground so that, I mean, it was absurd to think that the White House would discuss it, that they would allow for it to come from the president if they hadn't done their homework. But because in this day and age, you can just call somebody a liar. They can, I can say the sky is blue. Fox can say she's lying. I can say my skirt is pink. Fox can say it's purple. And people believe it unless it's proven. And, and it's unfortunate where we are, but I am thankful for that report. Well, and that's because uh, their dear leader, Donald Trump, uh, lied constantly and kept saying everything was uh, fake news. And they fell forward. Uh, here is the liar himself, Tucker uh, Carlson, with his BS last night. So what does it tell us that politicians are lying about this? Can you imagine? And why did the Biden administration, speaking of lying, just repeat a story about a 10-year-old child who got pregnant and then got an abortion or was not allowed to get an abortion when it turns out the story was not true? And by the way, when a 10-year-old gets pregnant, the first question is not, how do we get rid of the kid? The first question is, where's the rapist? Where's the rapist? Allison said to Fonte, so what does it tell us that politicians are... Tucker, that rapist uh, is now in jail. Robert? You know, a part of it is when you're used to having a lion-ass president like Trump, uh, they assume that everybody else that's the same way, that you can just make up stuff, walk out there as president, say it, and there's no repercussions. Uh, the, as Monique said, the idea that the Biden administration will not vet this story before issuing, uh, including it in part of an official presidential address uh, is ridiculous. And I think what's going on right now is on political right. Um, they are trying to do everything they can to distract people, you know, do not pay attention to, the, uh, uh, to what's in front of you. Uh, do not look behind the curtain. Um, yesterday, it was they called Jill Biden racist for making an analogy to tacos. Uh, today, the, there's probably another thing in the Twitter sphere that they're trying to distract people with. And because of that, we've end up, ended up with siloed information, where it, the reality is pick your own adventure. You can literally just decide what you want reality to be and have an entire social media and news sphere, which is built upon that fake reality that you, uh, that you exist within. That's how you end up with a January 6th. That's why you end up with people still thinking the election is stolen, despite how many times that's been debunked. And so we're going to have to start breaking down these walls so we can at least all agree that we exist within the same objective reality. And we can just get to the point of existing the same reality. We can get to solutions. But right now, we can't even agree on what reality actually is. Well, and here's what's hilarious. I see this tweet here by Kat Abu. This is the PJ media reporter, Megan Fox, uh, who spurred the gross and disproven Wall Street Journal op-ed which describe a 10-year-old's rape as a fanciful tale, Fox is now taking credit for the rapist's arrest and ignoring her extremely gross 35-plus tweet thread from a week ago. And they show these tweets. Uh, here is Fox saying, I should delete my account for exposing that no media was looking for a rapist and was only interested in political weaponization of child rape. First of all, it's not the media's job to look for a rapist, it's the police. 
Would this arrest have happened if no... I love this one here. Would this arrest have happened if no one asked questions about the shoddy reporting of this heinous act? I'm glad someone was arrested. Then, uh, this next one, let me see here. Uh, and then she goes, the story about a 10-year-old pregnant girl who had to go from Ohio to Indiana for an abortion gives me serious pause for a number of reasons. There are many red flags. I'm going to detail them here. Mm. Mm, okay, that's how that's, oh, oh, fake PJ media. Uh, and then she goes, number one, a pregnant 10-year-old is evidence of a heinous crime against a child. But in every article, and there are so many, there is no mention of criminal investigation, no police involvement, not even a town where this allegedly occurred. Mm, but now we know but, that's... Go ahead. But Roland, the, the, the part that is hideous about this coming from a woman and a reporter is... Put reporter in quotes. Is, is, is ignoring the reason why you're not supposed to know the town. You're not supposed to know there's an investigation. You're not supposed to know the child's name. Adult women are protected in these circumstances. How much more should a 10-year-old child be protected? It's not that there is an, investi an investigation or that the Biden administration doesn't have access to the facts, especially if the parents of the child chose to share them, but the rest of us are not supposed to know because this baby is going to have to try to live after this. Right. It's horrible enough what has happened. We're not supposed to be able to prove that she exists, know her name, know any of these facts. I mean, there are actually laws, racial laws, in place, especially for minors, so that this doesn't happen. And everyone who's saying, but can you prove it, can you prove it, sounds idiotic, especially Tucker. The real issue is where's the rapist? No, fool. The real issue is this baby. Parents care more about what happens to this child than what happens to the racist, or they're not real parents. Yeah, I, I just... Uh, and again, you know, what we are seeing here, Tanya, we are seeing folks on the right who are desperate, who are desperate to demonize uh, folks on the left by any means necessary because their agenda is real simple. And their agenda is flat out. It is to go after contraception. It is to go after, um, go after so many other rights. They're not stopping. They're not stopping at the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade? No. No, they're not. That was just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, there's a whole lot of rights that are part of the privacy rights interests that were codified by the Roe decision that now no longer exist. And I want to go back to something Monique said. There, unfortunately, because Roe has been overturned, there will be many more 10-year-olds who have to give birth to children that they became, you know, that they became pregnant with because of a rape, because they will not have that option. Their parents will not have the option to give them some privacy in the wake of a traumatic experience where they don't have to give birth to a child that exists by virtue of a violent sexual violation. And so we don't have statistics on the number of 10-year-olds who are raped. But we will. And those statistics will be by virtue of the births that will take place that should never have happened. 
because now these young girls do not have any other option but to give birth to these children. Yeah, uh, and again, and let me just go ahead and just do this here uh, because I, I really appreciate um, how stupid he is. Uh, one of the truly dumbest people out there on the right is this idiot Clay Travis, who's supposed to be a sports person. Now he's into politics, but he frankly don't know shit about sports. Uh, that's what this is what dumbass Clay put. Everything Joe Biden said here appears to be a lie. Ohio allows abortion for rape children, and more importantly, uh, there is zero evidence this actually happened. Then he tweeted again, media reports of a 10-year-old being raped in Ohio and having to leave the state for, abor for an abortion appear to be completely made up. Mm, really? Let's see here. Uh, Clay Travis rips apart Indy Star and the rest of the leftist media for allowing the story about a 10-year-old seeking an abortion to go viral. Let's, we have one more for this idiot Clay Travis. Yeah, updating this viral story. A 27-year-old illegal immigrant in Ohio has been arrested for raping a 10-year-old girl. The girl could have gotten an abortion in Ohio under state law per the AG, but traveled to Indiana to have the abortion instead. Oh, but Clay, did you, did you leave out that you are a lying scumbag? Oh, I guess you forgot those tweets, huh? Yeah, I guess so. That's how uh, they roll. Uh, folks, just understand what we're dealing with. You're dealing with the kind of liars that exists. Here's uh, Congressman Jamie Raskin of Maryland, uh, who uh, says the right to an abortion should be up to a woman. Not just the vast majority of Democrats, but 57% of independents and 40% of Republicans, although they don't appear to have much voice in the Republican caucus today. But there are lots of Republicans who agree with us that this is a choice that belongs to women girls and their families that is the vast majority of the american people but that's not how they want this to be all right folks got to go to a break uh when we come back we'll talk inflation it has gone up uh continues to go up uh has a direct impact on the poll numbers of president joe biden that's going down democrats are fearful that it's going to have a negative impact on their chances to to win to keep the house and the senate in november We'll talk politics with our panel coming up next, also later in the show. Uh, we'll talk about um, uh, the funeral of the black man who was shot 60 times in Ohio. Took place today in Akron. LeBron James, Spike Lee, and others uh, were in attendance. And we'll also uh, have a in memoriam for uh, one of my dear colleagues, uh, Tina Myers, uh, who passed away. And we'll have, in the second hour, uh, our essence recap of what took place. Uh, more great uh, interviews that we did there, folks. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Download the Black Star Network app on all platforms, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. Uh, also, be sure to contribute to our Brenda Funk fan club. Every dollar you give goes to support this show. Uh, of course, we um, love, we appreciate uh, all of your support. Uh, and so uh, you can send a check or money order to P.O. Box, P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R. Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Uh, Zale is rolling at rollingsmartin.com, rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. Shout out to Karen, Deborah James, Oliver Rice II. Uh, Mata and uh, Cheryl Jackson, all of them uh, who uh, sent us support uh, via Cash App, Oliver Rice, 
uh, second as well. Let's see here. Uh, did I leave anybody out? Cherry, Cherry Jackson, Charles Phillips, Gregory Hampton, Krista Burnett, Peggy Porter, LaBrenda Williams, Matthew Price, Cordell. I want to thank all of you. Ah, Vondale Morgan, Christopher Shepard as well. We'll be right back, y'all. I'm Pastor Jackie Hood Martin, and I have a question for you. Ever feel as if your life is teetering and the weight and pressure of the world is consistently on your shoulders? Well, let me tell you, living a balanced life isn't easy. Join me each Tuesday on Black Star Network for a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. We'll laugh together, cry together, pull ourselves together, and cheer each other on. So join me for new shows each Tuesday on Black Star Network, a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. Pull up a chair, take your seat. The Black Tape with me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network. Every week, we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the Black Star Network. You want me to do something crazy, but I don't know what to do. I'd rather just sit here. Hi, this is Cheryl Lee Ralph, and you are watching Roland Martin unfiltered. I mean, could it be any other way? Really? It's Roland Martin. Pascagoula, Mississippi Police Department needs your help locating Damarian Bibbins. The 15-year-old is 5 feet 10 inches tall, weighs 185 pounds with black hair and brown eyes. He was last seen on July 11th wearing a white t-shirt, gray shorts, and multicolored Crocs. Anyone with information about Damarian Bibbins should call the Pascagoula, Mississippi Police Department at 228-762-2211, 228-762-2211. Family, friends, and activists gathered today in Akron, Ohio to say the final farewell to Jalen Walker. He is the black man who was shot at 90 times by cops, 60 of those bullets hitting him in a traffic stop. Uh, Akron Mayor uh, Dan Horgan called today a citywide day of mourning to show sympathy after days of protest over his death. Hundreds of people filled Akron City Theater to pay their respects to Walker and his family. Relatives, family, friends, and community members spoke at his funeral. Bobby DiCello, an attorney representing the family, called on the government officials to make a change so that these wrongful deaths do not continue. I want to also call upon the city leaders. Where is the public apology? We need the public apology. We're going to ask that they do as they say with their, with their kind words privately, with their gestures being here today. We need more from the city leadership. And we need that dialogue to start immediately. And speaking of immediate dialogue, we need policy change now. There is no need to wait for it. There is not an explanation or an excuse that they can give you. I can't imagine why a group of government leaders can't organize themselves into several meetings, special sessions, to make change now. 
Um, as I said, uh, folks, uh, there were a number of people who were there. Spike Lee chose uh, to attend uh, today's funeral, taking the time to uh, shake hands with mourners there. Uh, he was there. Um, Mark Thompson, uh, he um, tweeted earlier uh, that he, had also, he also was there uh, at the funeral. So was LeBron James, a native of Akron, Ohio, uh, was there as well. The, uh, the protests continue, folks. Uh, there were bikers uh, who have been uh, driving through the city, who have been, um, uh, who arrived today, and they, uh, of course, um, uh, have been showing their solidarity, uh, these particular bikers. Uh, these were, of course, authorities bracing for uh, the protests. And again, uh, what you have been seeing uh, is a number of folks uh, who have been showing their support for Jalen Walker uh, and the family. These are some of the bikers who uh, travel from across the country. Uh, right here, uh, if you look at the video here, uh, these are some of those bikers, again, showing their support for the family uh, of Jalen Walker. There have been consistent protests uh, in that city, uh, and folks, uh, folks are still demanding uh, answers to know what in the heck happened. How can police fire 90 bullets, 90 bullets, uh, at this man, and 60 of those bullets uh, hit him. Uh, Jalen Walker, again, the funeral uh, that took place uh, today uh, in Akron, Ohio. Um, folks, so there's an exoneration that we'll tell you about. Uh, uh, after spending nearly three decades behind bars, an Ohio man wrongfully convicted of murder has been exonerated. On Monday, Cuyahoga County Common Pleas Court Judge Kathleen Satula, that's in Cleveland, folks, declared Charles Jackson should have never been arrested for the April 1991 killing of Joe Travis and the attempted murder of Ronald Lacey in Cleveland. Jackson spent more than half of his life behind bars for a murder he always maintained he never committed. The Ohio Court of Claims will pay Jackson approximately $52,000 per year he was locked up totaling roughly $1.45 million. I, I believe, Robert, every state in this country should have a significant restitution program for anyone who, who was wrongfully incarcerated. They should be paid some substantial fee for spending time behind bars. Well, absolutely. I think that should be a bare minimum uh, in cases of this nature. Uh, I also think that we should open uh, open up the court system and the state to civil liability. Uh, oftentimes, when you look deep into these cases, I've done cases of this nature, of uh, releasing people of long dead cases, um, there are significant uh, levels of fraud that have got them in that situation in the first place, approximately prosecutorial misconduct, uh, officers lying and fabricating evidence, those sorts of things. Um, these people should be able to sue the state for uh, falsely imprisoning them and get a civil judgment against them, not just what the state feels like giving them, what a jury decides is the proper amount for their pain and suffering and what they have gone through over all these years. So uh, the fund is a great start. But imagine trying to uh, get a job uh, in the current market, not having any uh, any of the skills that have happened over the last 20 or 30 years, not knowing how to use email, not having knowing how to use apps, uh, trying to support yourself. A million and a half dollars, you know, that sounds like a lot of money, but right now, you know, your average house is going for three hundred or four hundred thousand dollars. So uh, a lot more is going to be needed, and any fund is going to be insufficient to handle those things. So I think you have to open it up to civil liability. Mm -hmm. Tanya. And I think the other thing that civil liability would achieve is um, behavior by prosecutors, judges, and police 
that would result in fewer wrongful convictions in the first place. You can't compensate somebody for years of their life that they can't get back, relationships that they weren't able to maintain or to have, um, just the quality of life. No one would trade their lives and their liberty for $1.5 million. So we need to make sure that we have incentives and consequences for prosecutors and judges who are charged with the authority to pursue convictions and make sure that they exercise that power with accountability and responsibility. Monique? Yeah, over 10,000 a year uh, U.S. citizens are wrongly convicted. That is a conservative estimate uh, from the New York Times, a study that came out year before last, and it was a conservative estimate then. So when you see one case like this with some amount of money, um, no, it's a drop in the bucket. It, it is literally a drop in the bucket because we are having tens of thousands of majority black and brown men and women who either are being falsely convicted or who are being turned uh, and threatened and, and being basically forced to accept um, and take guilty pleas for crimes that they did not commit. And so this, the, the problem is systemic and this, this does not cut it. Uh, and Roland, Roland, just real quick, to, to Monique's point, um, the difficulty of withdrawing a guilty plea uh, in our system is absolutely ridiculous. You'd be amazing number of cases that you'll see uh, where it's a 17-year-old kid, the prosecutor comes in and says, well, we have this evidence against you, and we take this 40-year sentence, you'll be out by the time, you know, you're, uh, you're 55, and they'll take it, and they weren't even at the scene of the crime. They literally had nothing to do with it, but because they don't have effective assistance of counsel, they do not know the rules of the road. You have no concept of what 40 years even means. Uh, you could do an entire, uh, uh, entire TV TV series or a Netflix documentary just on that. So we have to reform this system from the inside out. And as much as the victim's fund is a great idea, the only thing that changes behavior is either prosecution or civil judgments. Uh, and talk about changing behavior, a Missouri family uh, a black man detained and beaten by police by hospital security guards in St. Louis, they filed a lawsuit. Y'all, check this out. Huey Robinson was being treated for stage for kidney failure at Barnes Jewish Hospital. Well, in April 2021, after his appointment, Robinson forgot where he parked his car. Security guards thought he looked suspicious walking around the parking garage. They approached Robinson, and instead of helping him, they beat the sick man down. During his detainment, guards began making fun of him for the pain he was suffering. The family is suing for assault, battery, and false imprisonment Unfortunately, Robinson died in April. Oh. Monique, go ahead. Yep, I, I don't, I don't know what else to to say about that, Roland. Except for this is not rare. I don't know how many times I can say on your show and elsewhere that we are not viewed as one hundred percent human 
And when we are dehumanized, then that means a lack of compassion, a lack of empathy, a lack of sympathy, a lack of concern, no benefit of the doubt. None of the things that go along with identifying another person as human come to us in full. And that is exactly what we saw here. And then what they expect from us, especially from black men, is that they're just gonna be docile and, and compliant when they are being mistreated. And so anytime we show respect for ourselves, for our humanity, for manhood or for womanhood, we end up with results like this. And I hope that they get policed. I do, but even once they do, what is that? That, that as Robert said, that is not a solution. That is, that is a little bitty Band-Aid on, on mortal wounding. It, it and, is. And go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just to uh, just again to piggyback off of what uh, uh, Monique said about this is the otherness of society. Uh, Simone de Beauvoir was an intellectual companion to uh, John Paul Sartre, both part of the um, kind of the idea of Kantism. If you go back to the uh, 19th century uh, uh, Germanic philosophy, uh, Sartre and de Beauvoir also worked with Franz Fanon, much of the postmodern works. But Simone de Beauvoir made the point that uh, it's not so much of being uh, lesser or more than it's the concept of fundamental otherness. And African-Americans, and particularly African-American men, are still seen to this day as being fundamentally other from society. They stick out. A white man walking around that same parking lot uh, would not raise a bit of suspicion. There'd be a white man looking for his car. A black man walking around the parking lot automatically is seen as being other, as being out of place, as not being within his own land and not uh, pursuing to have the same number of rights as other individuals. And that is something that has to be broken down from a societal point of view. And I'm not in the position of changing hearts and minds, but what you can change is policy. They can change those officers, yep. they can change the chain of, um, chain of command, and change their ability to simply walk away scot-free. This is why you need federal legislation on police brutality. Take away qualified immunity, sue them men into the poorhouse, and then that changes behavior. Hey, Tanya, how about this here? First of all, uh, let me thank my uh, reporting assistant, my daddy, who literally texted me during the show. Uh, he just sent me this story out of Houston. Uh, HPD, uh, well, let me actually, let me, uh, let, me, uh, let me take my iPhone off and put my iPad uh, on the Roku so y'all can actually see it. Um, now you should be able to see it. HPD officer, Tanya, won't face homicide charge in chase crash that killed man walking on the sidewalk. Okay, now, now this is strange here. This, this brother, 62 years old, was leaving the barbershop. He's walking on the sidewalk. The police officer is involved in a chase. The officer is Orlando Hernandez. He's driving between 80 to 100 miles an hour. He hits the man, kills him. The grand jury doesn't indict him. Like, I... So, cause his own death? Tony, this is nuts. I mean, I'm sorry. What? He's protected because he was involved in a chase and he was going to assist other officers dealing with some teenagers who carted the car? A man is dead because the cop hit him and nothing happens to the cop. He's going to pay the administrative leave. And there are some jurisdictions that have laws that limit officers' ability to engage in high-speed chases for this very reason. 
But I think, you know, the idea of our basic humanity means that no matter the lack of humanity that's attributed to us, means that no matter what we're doing, looking for our car, walking down the sidewalk, engaged in a conversation on a cell phone, in a store, there is no safe place where there are officers and citizens who do not perceive that black lives matter. Here's what's crazy, Monique. Uh, as Hernandez sped toward the intersection of Reed Road and Scott Street, body cam video shows the officer turn Turn, the officer turned the steering wheel nearly 180 degrees to avoid hitting other cars. His cruiser slid slightly right, going up onto the sidewalk and hitting Jackson before slamming into a nearby dumpster. Investigators with HPD's Vehicular Crimes Division wrote that Hernandez was, quote, traveling at an unsafe speed and performed a faulty evasive action in the crash report. I dare say that if Monique, Robert, or Tanya, or myself was driving 80 to 100 miles an hour, and we rolled up on the sidewalk, hit somebody, and then hit a dumpster, it's a good bet, at a minimum, we would be charged with vehicular manslaughter. Right. I mean, we would be, but we can't ignore the reason why we would be. We're not in any jurisdiction um, given the permission by law to conduct and participate in high-speed chases. So anytime that we're doing that, whether we're doing evasive maneuvers to avoid other cars or not, whether we accidentally hit someone on the sidewalk or not, if we're driving drunk, if we're driving at a high rate of speed, et cetera, then the laws apply to us as civilians. It's not the same laws that apply to him as a police officer. And that is tragic. But I do not believe that that is criminal. But here's, a, but here's the crazy part. But here's the crazy part. Officers, here's the deal. He actually wasn't chasing somebody. He was on his way. The story says officers were on their way to help another officer arrest five teenagers involved in an alleged carjacking and chase. Right. Well, but you're given permission to use elevated speed under whatever the jurisdictional laws are. This will be a civil suit, obviously, um, although in Texas, unfortunately, probably not a, a profitable one. And there, when administrative leave is over, there'll be a determination made as to whether the actions that were taken were in accords with the departmental guidelines or not. But I'm not at all surprised that um, the jury found that there would not be criminal charges in this case. Uh, absolutely uh, out crazy. All right, folks, uh, got to go to break. When we come back, uh, <laughs> is white dude blames Black Lives Matter for defacing his property? His dumb ass did it. Now he in jail. Also, Mayor McLeod Bethune, her statue is now in Statuary Hall representing the state of Florida, will show you the unveiling that took place today. Uh, you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network. I'm Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, and on the next Get Wealthy, have you heard that it's not how much you earn, but how much you keep that matters? Well, the secret to building wealth could be hidden in our tax code. That's right. Joining me on the next Get Wealthy is someone who calls herself the gatekeeper to the IRS. And she's going to be sharing the secrets and strategies you need to know, whether you're a business owner or an individual, 
how you can get wealthy. That's right here, only on Black Star Network. Pull up a chair, take your seat. The Black Tape with me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network. Every week, we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the Black Star Network. Hi, I'm Vivian Green. You're hey everybody, this is your man Fred Hammond, and you're watching Roland Martin, my man, Unfiltered. Ah, you gotta, you gotta love dumbass uh, Trump supporters in Minnesota. Uh, this fool, y'all, Dennis Mola, uh, lit his... <laughs> y'all, this fool lit his camper on fire, defaced his garage, and blamed Antifa and anti-Trump supporters. He filed false insurance claims, receiving thousands in insurance payments. Well, Monique, now that dumbass is charged with two counts of federal wire fraud. Well, yeah, because he's criminally criminal. I mean, that's just, that's, that's nothing but scheming and blaming the black folks. Caught. Oh, I really hope uh, he's got a black Biden-Harris supporter <laughs> as a bunk mate, Robert. <laughs> Well, you know, th this is part of uh, part of what we've seen throughout uh, throughout this entire movement for Black Lives uh, over the course of the last decade. Uh, on the political right, they have so demonized the concept of Black Lives Matter, so demonized uh, the idea of fighting back against fascism that they've now turned people who simply want a better and more just society uh, into the Legion of Doom, uh, and they will blame them for literally anything and think they can get away with it. Uh, this the same mentality that went toward killer. Kyle uh, up there in Wisconsin, the same mentality that was with the McCloskeys uh, in Missouri aiming their uh, weapons at people marching down the street, peacefully protesting, uh, and tell these people can get out of that right-wing media sphere where they simply believe uh, all the BS and to shovel it down their throat uh, to oppose the type of progress that is being made and uh, that we want to be made in this country, they'll continue to see things along this li uh, these lines. I'm glad this man got caught. I hope they lock his ass up uh, for a long time. I hope they take a lot of the people who believe in the same thing with them along those lines. But at the end of the day, uh, we have to start cutting this cancer of, of political division out of this country because that's what negates progress that has to be made. Um, just always blame it, blame it on black people, Tanya. Yeah, it's called racial sca scapegoating. Like, there's a name for this, and there's a history of it. Um, perpetrating crime and then blaming black people and tying or tapping into entrenched racial ideas about the criminality of black folks. So... He's lied about this. I'm glad he got caught, and I hope it's a warning to other people who are inclined to engage in similar behavior to think twice and not do it. Well, that's uh, how they do it. All right, folks, um, one of the um, white domestic terrorists has been replaced in Statuary Hall in the U.S. Capitol. Today, the statue of Mary, Mary McLeod Bethune was unveiled. Uh, of course, uh, Florida, uh, every state sends at least two. They get to pick two statues represent them. Well, folks uh, chose to get rid of the statue of Confederate General Edmund Kirby Smith, 
represent Florida, and uh, Mayor McLeod Bethune, who founded Bethune-Cookman University, the only HBCU established by a black woman. Uh, of course, what, that was what replaced her. She, of course, also helped establish the United Negro College Fund and the National Council of Negro Women, uh, involved working with them. She also served as a presidential advisor for Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Uh, Florida State Representative Frederica Wilson was among those who spoke at today's unveiling. Countless slaves tunneled to freedom because one woman led the way. The civil rights movement began because one woman refused to move. We got a seat at the table because one woman brought a folding chair. Poor children in Florida were educated because one woman would not give up. Harriet Tubman, one woman. Rosa Parks, one woman. Shirley Chisholm, one woman. Dr. Mary McLeod Bethune, one woman. Each launched a movement. Each forever changed the way we see our world. So today, we are rewriting the history we want to share with our future generations. We are replacing a remnant of hatred and division with a symbol of hope and inspiration. One woman. Because today, we place Mary McLeod Bethune in Statuary Hall in her rightful place among our nation's giants of history. I cannot think of anyone more befitting to occupy this space of grandeur. Here's another AP story. And she will be the first African-American to have a state commissioned statue in that hall. This is a huge deal for Florida. Um, and we haven't heard a lot about it on the national scene, unfortunately. Um, but I'm hoping that after this happens today, that more people will become aware of her story. More people will be interested in her work, not just what she did in Florida, what she did in DC, what she did for the world. I mean, Mrs. Bethune's name deserves to be up there with Dr. Martin Luther King. I mean, she was the Oprah of her time. She was the VP Kamala Harris of her time. Like that is how important she was and the work that she did, you know, in um, the 20th century. I hope that this statue <clears throat> is not just a one day occurrence, but that this statue brings more reverence and more understanding of the story of Mrs. Mary McCloskey. Mm, Tanya, there are a lot of people, and, and, and I see these crazy folks who tweet, oh, we ain't asked for no statue. Uh, we want other stuff. But here's what people understand. U.S. Statuary Hall, that means when people go visit the Capitol, if you're from Florida, you're going to see who your Florida statues. And for all of these years, it was a white domestic terrorist, a Confederate general 
that represented Florida in Statuary Hall. Now, one of their two statues is going to be Mary McLeod Bethune. That Absolutely. is important. That's incredibly important. This is American history. It's not just important for black people. It's important for all Americans to know that this woman, against all odds, was able to educate um, hundreds and thousands of children who went on to create things that contributed to American society. And she's another, you know, hidden figure. They still exist, these black women who made all of these contributions who are never recognized. And so this is a victory for Americans. Um, American history has far too long been white male. And so it's time for other people who have done amazing, important things to be recognized in public spaces. And I love the Black Roses. I've seen the Black Roses in Europe. That's what she called her students. I think it is absolutely beautiful that they placed one in her hand in that statue. Monique? Yes, I'd be remiss, and my mother would really get me if I didn't point out the fact that she was a distinguished member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, and I know that people will be coming all in red for Delta Day on, on, on the Hill, and they will have something new and beautiful to see. Uh, and symbols matter, representation matters, um, and, and people who don't understand it, I think oftentimes believe that we can be pacified that those who are fighting for change, for justice, for freedom, will take a statue or take a holiday like Juneteenth, for instance, and then, oh, okay, we don't want Voting Rights Act anymore. Uh, no, it doesn't work like that. We get all of what we deserve, and we fight on all the different levels, walk and chew gum. So this is a very important thing, and, and I'm very excited to see that it's happening, and the fight continues. Robert? You know, a couple thousand years from now, long after you know, America is gone, the society has collapsed, much like the Bronze Age collapsed, uh, there are going to be people who are digging through the rubble of uh, what Washington, D.C. <laughs> used to be. And they're going to find this grandiose building um, and assume it was some kind of religious temple or maybe a governmental building. And inside, they're going to want to know, well, who were the people that this society appreciated? Who were the people that they looked at as leaders? And at some point, it's going to be the year 4,000, someone's going to look inside and see a black woman, Mary McLeod Bethune, among the marble statues that represent what the society meant. And for all of eternity, all of history, the same way that we look back at statues from ancient Rome and ancient Greece, the same way we look at the words of Plato and Plutarch and uh, Homer and uh, so on down the lines, a black woman will be part of that essential portion of history, that America, um, to the progeny that we lay forth, will no longer simply be a nation of white men, of slave owners, of Confederates, but now we will, our history is starting to reflect exactly what built this nation. So, no, uh, we're not giving up our fight for voting rights, giving up our fight for criminal justice reform, but it is important to sit down and write into the history of this nation the crucial role that black women pay played. Uh, and again, I am in full support of every single one of these Confederate monuments and statues, memorials, uh, coming down with the quickness. And so, glad to see uh, that Mayor McLeod Bethune is there in Statuary Hall. All right, folks, time for In Memoriam.
Folks, it was uh, one week ago uh, when uh, I was driving in Birmingham. Henry and I were in the SUV uh, trying to deal with uh, the wreck that our driver, Deshaun Smith, was in, uh, where our sprinter was total. And I got a text from John Murray asking me if I heard what happened to Tanita Myers. Uh, I told him I didn't. I immediately called him, uh, and he said that it was at Essence Fest where she collapsed and was found unresponsive, was rushed to the hospital, uh, but was brain dead. Uh, it has been very difficult for the past week. Uh, she had been on life support. Uh, we were hoping and praying for the best, uh, but unfortunately two days ago, her family took her off life support at 2.26 p.m. Arizona time, which was the exact time she was born 49 years ago. Well, at 4.44 a.m. this morning, New Orleans time, Tanita passed away. Um, Tanita Myers is someone many of you probably have never known, have never seen, because she worked behind the scenes in radio. Uh, she was the vice president, uh, head of news, news operations at the Black Information Network via iHeartRadio. Uh, don't play the video just yet. Um, she, uh, she and I were, uh, worked together at Tom Joyner Morning Show. She was with Reach Media, uh, and she was our liaison with TV One's News One Now. I last saw Tanita literally Friday at Essence Fest. Uh, we were at the McDonald's brunch. Uh, she was her usual uh, loud self. Uh, she had this uh, unbelievable laugh uh, and she always enjoyed life. And so I saw her and we hugged. Uh, and, I know th and with his was crazy. I don't even think I have a picture with Tanita because again, she didn't like taking pictures. Uh, I had to actually send an email out, text to get from her family, sent us uh, the photos. She just rarely took photos. She was a truly behind the scenes person. Um, on Friday, again, so we saw her Friday, Saturday, the next day, July 2nd was her 49th birthday. Uh, she was uh, just fine. She was uh, with friends. And that night, she was supposed to go to a birthday dinner. She never made it. Her friends called her room. Uh, there was no answer. And then they called her cell phone. And that's when the EMTs answered and said that she was being rushed to the hospital and had been found unresponsive. Uh, today, I talked to Willie Moore Jr., who uh, is a syndicated radio show host uh, with um, Reach Media. He had actually talked to her Saturday night around 730. Uh, and so it was Tanita who, like, who called the front desk, said she was not feeling well. And that's when they dispatched the ambulance. Uh, and we don't know exactly what happened, what was the cause. Uh, but for the most part, that, from that night on until today, uh, she had been brain dead. She was an extraordinary radio professional, someone uh, who was filled with spirit. She actually called herself the whitest black girl. You know, we used to always joke because, of course, me, I'm always talking about black history and stuff like that. And Tanita would be like, Roland, you know, I don't know what the hell you're talking about uh, because uh, I was raised in Arizona. And so I used to uh, mess with her all the time. Uh, but she was uh, absolutely uh, uh, full of energy. She was the one who I would send my commentaries to every single day, the Black Information Network. I would get a text message from her saying, hey, did I miss your commentaries whenever I was late? And so then I would uh, fire them off. Uh, she was a huge supporter of mine. She, when they launched Black Information Network, uh, Tanita, actually even before that, she was working for a syndicated radio show and she wanted me to do some stuff with them. And then they launched Ben. She told them, we can't launch a black radio network and not have Roland Martin. 
Uh, we've worked together closely uh, at Reach Media. We work together closely with the Black Information Network. Uh, and so many people uh, have just been shocked and stunned, losing her at the age of 49. Uh, she leaves a 20-year-old son, uh, her mother and her sisters. Uh, it has just uh, devastated all the folks with the Black Information Network. Uh, Jada Davis, uh, we all work together at Reach Media. Uh, Jada sent me this video. If you want to understand how Tanita was, this is a video uh, in the studios of the Tom Jonah Morning Show uh, as uh, J Jada is recording Tanita just feeling this song. Sorry that I wronged you, baby, what could I do? No, you have everything I do. I, could I think I could never play Robin Thicke's song because Tanita would always say, ooh, that's my husband in my mind. Tanita was absolutely hilarious, absolutely outlandish, uh, and uh, was loads of fun. And, and I can tell you, uh, it, was, uh, it, was, it, it was difficult when you get the word, and literally it was someone you had hugged just the day before uh, who passes away. Uh, and so um, certainly condolences uh, to her family. Uh, and, and the thing that I uh, say, I mean, all the time, uh, Robert, Monique, and Tanya, I remember there were people who were tweeting, uh, and they were saying, oh, man, uh, Roland is really into this concert. He's living his best life. And, and I say to people all the time, my hashtag is live life, love it. The reality is uh, circumstances can change uh, extraordinarily fast. Uh, look, no one, uh, no one is promised no day, no hour, uh, no minute, no second. And so we must take uh, best advantage of it. Uh, and so Tanina was one of the folks uh, who did that. And so, I, I, and I remind people all the time, uh, don't put off tomorrow what you literally uh, could do today, whether it's uh, to call someone, to hug someone, just to say hi, just to say I'm checking on you, uh, because you may never get that chance. May she rest in peace. So um, we have not gotten uh, any of the uh, funeral details, and we certainly uh, will pass uh, that on. Uh, but again, uh, so, so many uh, satin hearts with Reach Media as well as um, iHeartRadio's uh, Black Information Network. For uh, my good friend, uh, Tanita Myers, 49 years old, uh, who is now an ancestor.
lots of oranges, half the sugar, 1,000% delicious. That's simple math. Say yes to simple. Made the simple way. With real lemon juice, 75% less sugar, and mm, mm, mm. Say yes to simple. I am Bruce Smith, executive producer and creator of The Proud Family, Louder and Prouder, and you are watching the Black Star Network. All right, folks, while we were in Essence, uh, New Orleans this year for the 2022 Essence Festival, we uh, caught up with uh, a lot of great folks, including uh, three of the cast members of the animated show, The Proud Family. Now, y'all know if these three are involved, hilarity is, will ensue. Check it out. Let's get right to it. First of all, um, how different uh, is, the, is doing, doing an animated show versus live action? C can you just just go be extra, 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 which is actually just sedate Tommy. Uh, <laughs> so... Keep up with that. <laughs> <laughs> go, go. Well, well, you know something? For me, it's it's almost the same, except that I, I see some, some other little character with my voice coming out of it. But for me, if a piece is written well, a script is written well, then... I can make it happen. I, I just, uh, just switch gears and just become whoever it is I'm supposed to become. Now, did you change your voice or what? I altered it just a little bit because initially when I got hired for it by Eileen McKnight 20 some odd years ago, wow. they wanted to be 80 something years old. Oh, of course. Some years ago for this show? Yes. What the hell took so long? <laughs> it's a reboot. We're a reboot, baby. And, uh, yeah, yeah, reboot. So she too. wanted to be 80, so I had to exaggerate her a little bit and give her a little bit more age, you know, because okay. everybody knows that I can, you know, distinguish back and forth between ages. Okay. Yeah. Oh, me? Follow. I love live action, and I'm waiting for the day that we do Proud Family live action because mm -hmm. we fit right into our characters. Mm -hmm. You know, it would be so much fun for us to do, like, I, I've seen it in Garfield, where you jump straight from, you know, the animation into the real-life people. We can leave some of our characters that don't match up behind. We can make an excuse why Cedric is yeah, just, just a, has gained a, a little bit of weight. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. make give us a live-action mm -hmm. special right. where, you know, so... Right. I'll do a silver gray. So <laughs> that's to answer your question. I, although I love going to work and not having to do the hair and makeup, mm -hmm. hair, Live action is fun. Now, are y'all recording in the same space at the same time? We used to. We used to. Mm -hmm. We used to, but the pandemic came mm -hmm. along. Right. So we were doing it from home, and then once it once it lightened up, mm -hmm. we said, well, why do we have to get in traffic? You know, we just mm -hmm. might as well go ahead and do it. Right. And I, I, but, but, but it's yeah, a yeah. different energy, though, when you're, when you're in the same room. I yeah. Mean, I mean, I can tell you, yeah, yeah, doing yeah, a television is. show, having a panel mm -hmm. is different than if, mm -hmm. than if they're on Skype or Zoom or mm -hmm. Facebook. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? In reality, and all, I think we only were together maybe three or four times. 
I think the magic that, that yeah, I, for me, and all, I think I did three shows with Tommy, maybe two. And I got to do with Paul. And Pappy, I don't think I ever did one with him. Right. I, I know the character so well. I know their energy so well. I hear their voices very well. I know exactly what they're going to say and how they're going to say it. So I didn't need to, when we got dropped back, I didn't need to have them physically there. I already had them spiritually there. So what so you're really saying in. is you don't like being around people. No, no I love being <laughs> No, but it's just I'm so cued into them. Right. I hear Tommy's voice before I say a lot. I hear Paula's. I, I know the script that well, and I know them. Mm -hmm. And so it's easy for me to just transfer. Mm -hmm. I love it. I, I love not being on camera. Because I could just go. I could just go. I ain't got to worry about no camera angles. Right, mm -hmm. right. You know, and, and see, if I cry, I, I, I'm a little vain. You know, if I'm crying in a movie or something, you know, I'll be like, you know, Right. You know, if I'm crying, if I'm crying behind, behind the, behind the microphone curtain, I'm. Right. Tommy be love. It looks color. You know. You know, it's a whole. Yeah. But in order to get all that out, you know, you can't be looking good at the same time. Yeah. 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 It just don't work together. But also, again, people don't understand. I mean, the mediums are different. Look, doing television different from doing radio. It's just a whole different dynamic in terms of how you have to paint the picture for the audience. And so, so same thing with. Granted, you have the animation piece. So, so when you're behind that microphone, are you also, are you also, seeing the show visually as you are. Doing your thing. I, I'm, yeah. I feel restricted. I'm, I'm just the opposite. I, I'm a high energy person. I'm kind of hyper, mm -hmm. and I feel like I can do no, my character. I, I get, listen. I can do my I, character I, even I, better if I was actually physically mm -hmm. in, in my scene. You I know. do that. So I know when Ralph and Bruce are there, and mm -hmm. Calvin or whoever's there, the writers are there, and we're going through the script. I'm always doing something you know, yes. that Sugar Mama would do exactly. because right, right. I, I, my energy is. I feel restricted in that chair. You know. Mm -hmm. So if we were to go live action, oh hell, she'd be a lot funnier when she is. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And you got to remember, you know, we're taking from the page and right. putting it to the cartoon. Right. Mm -hmm. yes. Taking from the page. Right. So what you're reading there, you know, you can't just read it mildly. Mm -hmm. You got to go, you know, if you're turning the curb, like, mm -hmm. you know, Bruce is the way he directs or Ralph directs, you know, mm -hmm. you're coming around the curb and you're coming around real hard mm -hmm. while you're saying that. Mm -hmm. right. You know, because I'll say it one way. You know, I, I don't think right. we can take right. this turn. Right. Go, no, you're going fast. Right. I don't think we can take this turn. So it's a whole, it's a whole, I, I be going, don't Shall I? You do. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I miss working with you. You really, you, you kept, I think we worked well together by grounding each other. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And, you know, you brought me up. I kind of, you know, but uh -huh. as I'm watching this new season, you are phenomenal. Uh -huh. We're, you, everything uh -huh. is doing, is, is just going as, you know, God intended. Uh -huh. And, and how she, she is, Trudy. I mean, she she, when she come along, yes. you know, mm -hmm. she's got this thing. We got a, we really got a rhythm, you know. Me, mm -hmm. us three have a yes. good rhythm because mm -hmm. of Sugar Mama. You know, it always ends with her busting me in my head. Yes. You know, so I go, sugar my mind, go! You know, it always is. But she, but she <laughs> never does that, though. It's her love, though. Yeah. Let uh -huh. somebody mess with Oscar and see how crazy sugar mama really is. That's right, that's right. That's my skin, little boy. Only she can wrestle with Oscar. Yeah, yeah. So how much, uh, how much did allow y'all to improvise? A lot. Because you say I just get to go. I like, yeah, yes. uh -huh. yeah, I, I, I kind of get, they get mad mm -hmm. at me sometimes. They'd be like, Tommy, that wasn't on the page. Mm -hmm. you but know, they'll but, use but, it. But they'll use it. Next thing <laughs> right. you know, they'll use it. Right. You know, but that's the good thing about. And that's when you go. 
Yeah, right, right, right. That's when you don't say nothing. Right, 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 right. That's the magic. Like, that's y'all. And that's right. how much we that's know That's the magic characters. of the creativity yeah. of Bruce and Ralph also. Oh. That they will allow us to free up mm -hmm. and just say it the way it comes oh out. God. Sometimes I read it, and it'll automatically come out mm -hmm. a different mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. I saw it, but I didn't see mm -hmm. it. And it came out, and it's, put that down. Put it, give me three more of that. Run that, yes. run that, you know, uh -huh. whatever. Yeah, and, they just uh, let you go. Yeah. So, so, so listening to this process sounds to me like um, when I saw the documentary of how the Funk Brothers in Motown, how they literally put together the song. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Or in the movie Respect, mm -hmm. where Aretha was like, yeah, play that, mm -hmm. okay, come in with that. Mm -hmm. I mean, so it, it's, it's just this, this whole yeah. uh, yeah, this whole, whole mix of, of mm -hmm. pull, pulling it all, all, all together. Yeah. And, then, yeah, and then what happens also is they'll, they'll show us the cartoon, too. Mm -hmm. They'll show us the animation. So sometimes we have to go in just for sessions, mm -hmm. right. just to match the stuff. That's right, right. yeah. Because that's just what to Tommy it. said, yeah. right. They said, yeah. Tommy said this like mm -hmm. this. Listen to the way Tommy mm -hmm. said this. Mm -hmm. this. Oh, okay, then, you know, and that jumping. Yeah, yeah, it's like arithmetic in a way. And the process of animation takes like six months. Mm -hmm. to do each episode mm -hmm. because we we used to like send them out to Japan mm -hmm. but now there are so many animators right. in the world mm -hmm. we can do it locally mm -hmm. but it still takes every little it takes six months for each yeah, half it's, hour. it's work it's yeah. work when we started out though I think it was like five different countries that mm -hmm. were doing animation yes. wow and they in the center mm -hmm. all right yeah, well look work. well look at looking forward to it uh, glad to see uh, all three of y'all uh, keep doing your thing, uh, yeah, and you uh, certainly, you know, I, I, hey, we just, we just keep it real, keep it black. We just love you, we just love you. We can we go, can, can we go, sugar mama and Trudy real quick, just do something? Uh, uh, Y'all okay. go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, you better leave me alone now. You know I ain't the one to be playing with. <laughs> well, I told you three times she cannot go out with that skirt. Now if I catch her with that skirt, she gonna be hurt. Uh, leave sir. that girl alone. Thank you, sugar mama. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying. <laughs> you see how it just? <laughs> oh yeah. You see, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it tells its own story, man. Yeah. All right, Paula got her mm -hmm. Hall of Night Sunshine. Thank you. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I wasn't going to pick up on that. That's our problem. I'm the only one. I'm the only one. Oh, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Down. All right, folks, I appreciate it. Oh, Thank good you seeing so y'all. All right, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Hold on, you didn't say one thing about politics. Are you, oh, it's y'all show. Are you okay? That's what I'm talking about. Right. It's okay. y'all show. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> we're kind of political. We were the first African American. Don't you start again. Oh. Don't, don't, don't. Oh. Okay, sorry. <laughs> don't. Sorry, HU in the house. <laughs> oh, there she goes. All right, y'all. So here's the deal. Now, y'all know typically after we do these interviews, we, we then do drops with different people. Now, uh, Peyton knocked us out. Of course. Um, everybody, everybody knocked theirs out. Um, Tommy had a couple of issues doing his drops. Let's just say uh, I was late going to an event because Tommy wasn't done. So, um, y'all, just go ahead and roll it. You, you can let it rip. I let, I let Marlon Wayne let it rip. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, <laughs> so, just, just yeah. Go. Okay, okay. All right. Hi, I am Tommy Davidson. I play Oscar on Proud Family, Louder and Prouder. I don't say, I don't play Sammy, but I could. Or I don't play Obama, but I could. I don't do Stallone, but I could do all that. And I am here with Roland Martin on Unfiltered, on the all black, yeah. <laughs> Right, What's that last no, one? No, 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 we're gonna keep that one on. All right, so right. next, we do all that. You can drop Roman on the film. Okay, okay. Say on, on the Black Star Network. Star Network, okay, okay.
We're going to use that one anyway. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tommy Davidson. I play Oscar Proud on the Proud Fleming Louder and Prouder on Disney Plus. And I'm here with Roland Martin on Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Okay, we're going to do it again. Drop Unfiltered. Did I mess it up? Yeah. Okay. Got me out okay. of okay. it. Okay, okay, okay. I'm okay. Some black okay, the Black Star, okay. On the Black Star Network. That's it. You can say everything else you want. You can say whatever you want to say. Can I do it this way? On the Black Star Network. That's fine. It's your trap. No. Let's go. <laughs> it's your trap. Do it how you want to do it. Go ahead. Right here. It's me? Yes. Again? What are we doing? No, drop Roland Martin, drop Unfiltered. Okay. And you want to end that on with the Black Star? Star? Yeah, That's yeah. That's fine. Go ahead. On the Black Star Network. The whole thing? And then do the. Oh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Hi, I'm Tommy Davis, and I play Oscar Proud on the Proud Family, Louder and Prouder on Disney Plus. I'm here with Roland Martin on Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Did I do it again? Drop Roland Martin. Drop him. Fuck. Oh, just see. The Black Star Network. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Because I'm running this on the Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Uh, uh, uh. Well, I did the... Okay, okay. Yeah, proud, you keep all that. Just okay. take me out. Okay, okay, okay. Hi, I'm Tommy Davidson. I play the voice of Oscar Proud on the Proud Family on Disney+. And, uh, what's it? Damn it! Okay, so, so... The Black Star Network. Okay, that's it. That's okay, it. okay. You're watching. Okay, okay, okay. I, 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 can do, I can do I might have to go a little gumble on this. All right, ready? Hi, I'm Tommy Davidson. I play Oscar Proud on The Proud Family on Disney Plus and the Black. One more time. Ready? Yes. Hi, I'm Tommy Davidson. I play the voice of Oscar Proud on Disney Plus. Check that out on the Black Star Network. What? No, no. Your show is on Disney Plus. Okay. <laughs> your show ain't on the Black Star Network. Okay, okay. So give it to me Just one more time. Say- Tommy Davidson, you're on the show, you're watching. You're watching. Okay, yo, right, okay, right. Rappers like right, 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 right. <laughs> okay, that's good. Hi, I'm Tommy Davidson. Hi, I'm Tim. Hi, I'm Tommy Davidson. I play Oscar Proud on The Proud Family, Louder and Prouder on the Black Star Network. No. no. What the fuck? No, your show is on Disney Plus. On Disney Plus. No, just. And you're watching. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, okay. Okay. All right. Go. Hi, I'm Tom. Hi, I'm Tommy Davidson. I play Oscar Proud on The Proud Family on Disney Plus, and you're watching the Black Star Network. Hallelujah! Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Paul. Let's get, let's get, let's get Paul. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm leaving. I'm moving. I'm going to lunch. Take your mic off. Take your mic off. Take your mic off. Ooh, Lord Matter of fact, let's do this here. Take this one too, baby. Stand up. Right there. See, y'all, I, like, I told y'all, I mean, it took him forever. My time. All right, y'all, we come back. We're going to talk about the importance of mental health uh, right here with our Essence uh, 2022 uh, recap. Uh, we, I don't know if we can top that one. You're watching the Black Star Network uh, as we present uh, the Essence 2022, Essence Best 2022 recap, uh, sponsored by Coca-Cola. Back in a moment.
Lots of oranges. Half the sugar. 1,000% delicious. That's simple math. Say yes to simple. Made the simple way. With real lemon juice, 75% less sugar, and mm, mm, mm. Say yes to simple. I'm Tommy Davis, and I play Oscar Proud on The Proud Family on Disney+. And you're watching the Black Star Network. Supposed Coca-Cola sponsored the Essence Wellness Center uh, at the uh, Essence Fest in New Orleans. And uh, Faith Daniels sat down with Mayuma McKinley and talked about uh, how critically important it is uh, to pay attention to your mental health. Here's their conversation. Hello, everyone. My name is Faith Daniels, and we are here at Essence 2022. And you know it's lit, and I am here with... Mayumi McKinley, licensed mental health therapist. Okay, period. Um, so it's been two years since Essence has actually been here. How does it feel to be back? I'm excited. Um, I'm originally from Louisiana, so um, this is my first time back here during a major event since about a month ago. And so I'm excited to see the many people. I'm excited to see the performances. I'm excited about all of the panels. We have some really, really great people um, that I've seen at the convention center. They're on lineup, so I'm excited just to learn and grow and meet people. So is there anybody at the concerts that you're excited to see? Because last night, Nicki Minaj performed, Wyclef, Lauren Hill came out, Nas. Is there anybody that you're excited to see? Well, I do like Summer Walker. I know me and you were talking about her. I love her. I think she's really talented. But also Janet Jackson. I've never seen Janet Jackson perform in person, so I'm really excited about that. Yes, I am, too. I love Summer Walker. Of course, I'm from Atlanta, so, you know, I <laughs> have to represent the Georgia Peaches. Um, so you are a mental health um, therapist, and yes. yesterday I attended um, Black Women's Roundtable, and one thing that they were talking about was mental health as well as the overturn of Roe versus Wade. Yes. Um, so what was your initial feeling about that? Um, devastation. Um, all I had, I had many, many of my clients come to mind that I've worked with over the years, those who have been victims of sexual abuse, those who are struggling with depression, those who are struggling with the grief and loss because they've had abortions themselves, those who are, um, right now, even in my practice, I had, after that happened, I had clinicians call me like, Miami, what are we going to do about this? This was the one thing, my client was barely hanging on, and this is the one thing that kind of took them over. It's, I, I was very devastated and really concerned about the impact on mental health as a whole. As black women, I feel like, you know, ultimately, some of the laws that they're putting in place is more mm -hmm. of like a target on our community. Um, so my question is, how will we as black women be able to help each other in this point in time? Well, you know, I'm a therapist, so the first thing I'm going to say is um, heal. <laughs> yeah. Heal and just really taking time to have these type of conversations, talking to one another, really being honest with how we feel about what's happening. Because it's bringing up a lot for a lot of people, right? Those who have had previous abortions, those who have had medical challenges um, when they were giving birth, those who have lost babies and children. Um, and so it's really important that we start having these conversations and we start paying attention to our mental health. As black women, we're strong. You keep pushing. You don't have time, you know, especially in these busy times where things are happening. You know, we had COVID, then we had Black Lives Matter. People are losing jobs. People are trying to stay financially stable. There are so many 
stressors. So I think it's important that we take the time to really check in with ourselves. So that would be my answer, making sure that we have the conversations, continue to check in with ourselves so that we can get the support and assistance that we need. What would you like to see from the government happen in terms of mental health? I feel like, you know, they're putting out these laws, but they're not giving enough resources to help the people that they're ultimately affecting. I haven't heard anything about resources. I haven't heard anything about we're going to make mental health more accessible. I haven't heard anything about we're going to, you know, make sure we pour funding into mental health programs. Not saying it isn't there, but I definitely haven't heard anything. So I would encourage that. Make it easily accessible. Um, make it um, affordable. You know, make, making sure that there aren't limitations when people do utilize their insurance. Um, so I would want them to pay attention to that because this is going to have an, a detrimental domino effect on mental health. I kid you not. Yes, ma'am. So mm -hmm. as a therapist, you know, you're helping others manage their mental health. How are you able to manage yours during unprecedented times such as COVID and a new abortion law going on? Checking in with myself. Um, making sure that I call on my friends, my colleagues for support just to talk it out, then making sure that I'm not holding it on the inside and really being honest with myself. Therapists get stressful too. Like we're human. <laughs> we're human beings. I can have family members say, but you're a therapist. Yes. And I have the coping skills. <laughs> I know them, but I'm human <laughs> and it gets to me as well. So I've had to make sure that I check in with my colleagues, um, that I have my family members, my partner, everyone that I talk to so that I'm making sure that I'm being honest with myself and processing how I feel. People lose sight of how important that is. Yes, ma'am. What is your why? You know, like, everybody decides what they want to do with a career, but also to, like, help people and to help them get through things. What is your why for that? Mm, healing. Um, just watching family members struggle with mental health diagnosis, um, seeing the impact that Roe versus Wade or other instrumental um, Black Lives Matter, losing police brutality, people grief and loss, all of these things, just watching how it's had such a negative impact on people's lives and relationships, romantic friendships, job opportunities. So my why is because I want to see people be the best version of themselves. I want people to be emotionally healthy because physical health we pay attention to all the time, right? Your stomach hurt, you, you break your leg, you go. But our mental health is our brain. We forget the brain is an organ. And I think that's the main thing. When our stomach hurts, we have a cut, we run to the doctor. Or, you know, for some of our black men out there, they wait until it's at the very end or somebody forces them to go to the <laughs> forces them to go to the doctor. But um, we take care of it. But when it comes to our mental health, that's our brain, the most important aspect of all being. And we forget that it's an organ because we can't see it. So, so in terms of your demographics for people that come to you for, you know, help, what would you say is more women or men that come to you? I, on my case, though, right now I have more women. But I will say there has been an increase in men seeking treatment um, and also an increase in people of color seeking treatment. So I'm really excited to see that shift happening. So what do you feel like the disconnect has been from maybe 10 years ago, um, African-Americans reaching out for help or more so men reaching out for help? What would you say? A couple of different things. Um, well, I know a lot of people from a religious standpoint felt like talking to a therapist and somehow they're not believing in God. And I think there's been a lot of pastors, um, a lot of um, religious folk who have came and kind of started breaking that stigma that you can have, you know, praise God, trust God, and also have... Um, a therapist as well and this was displayed by one of my young clients it was so hilarious to me her dad she was telling me that her dad was like why are you going to therapy you need to just pray more we go to church what's wrong with you and she said well dad God made therapists and I was like touche you know he couldn't say anything after that so just really I think religion has played a role in being more open you have more um, people in the clergy talking about it Secondly, there have been a lot of celebrities coming out. We know celebrities influence culture. So a lot of celebrities coming out, talking about their own mental health diagnosis, the struggle, talking, normalizing therapy. So I think that's also caused a shift as well. 
So whenever you were younger, was mental health big in your home or is it just something that you oh, no. grew to? Okay. <laughs> okay. Absolutely not. Um, absolutely not. It wasn't, I'm not going to say parents didn't care, but we do the best that we can. And, you know, church was really important in my family. So definitely instilling values. Um, talking about your business to other people wasn't really encouraged. You know, what happens in the house stays in the house. And some unspoken rules. So my desire came from me being curious just ask, why do people act that way? Or if somebody hurt my feelings, or my first heartbreak, I'm like, Mom, why did he do this to me? <laughs> you know, I really wanted to understand why. Um, and so it led into me um, exploring psychology more. I love CSI and those, all those um, forensic psychology type shows. And I actually thought I was going to be a radiologist. It was actually the opposite. And then I took um, science and I went to Xavier. Period. Um, went to Xavier and I took, um, and I was like, ooh, this is not like high school. This is not like high school science. And so I took a psychology class and totally changed things for me. And I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is my gift. And everything has been open, opened up um, opportunities for me since then. So whenever you were on campus, did they have like a counseling center? Was it open? Did you go? If, if they did, I want to say they did. Did I go? No, it was not something that I remember being promoted, not saying that they didn't, but it just wasn't, it wasn't prominent. I, we had a psychology club, we had a whole psychology department, everyone was there was very supportive, but I think at that time I was more interested in learning about the whys, like understanding behavior, understanding how diagnoses and trauma and alcoholism and all of these things that I had experienced in my family um, and extended family, why? So I think I was more focused there. It wasn't until after I left and relocated that I was like, okay, let's look at this therapy thing. Let's look at what this looks like when you're in a room with a person. Do you feel that representation matters um, in the mental health world of people who are being open about it or having um, female, black female therapists? I think it's ultimately important because people go to people and search for people who look like them, whatever it is. And so it is really important. I will say it's not the only thing that matters. There are some really great clinicians out there who are not of color. Um, of course, there are going to be cultural differences, but it doesn't mean that you can't get help. But definitely having representation is important. So what is your advice to anybody that might be struggling right now that needs to talk to somebody? What is your advice to them? Talk. <laughs> Don't give up. Um, people think they go to one therapist and if it's a horrible experience or they feel like they didn't connect, sometimes they give up or they say, I don't want to go through it. Finding the right therapist is essential. Sometimes it takes time. So if the, give it at least two or three sessions. Like, you know, the first session you're kind of nervous. Give it at least two or three sessions. And if you don't feel it's a good fit, don't hesitate to tell that therapist. Just because we're a therapist doesn't mean we know everything. I'm, I ask my clients all the time, how are you feeling about this session? Is there anything happening that you feel uncomfortable with? Um, and checking in. But if there's no connection, don't hesitate to um, try somewhere else. And there are wonderful platforms like Therapy for Black Girls. You can always check with your insurance if you have it to help you navigate and find the person that's right for you. What is your end goal? Not even just for the um, Essence Festival where you're at your panel, but ultimately like for your journey, what's your end goal with being a mental health therapist? To get as many people as I can on their journey to healing, um, to get as many people as I can to understand that mental health is important, to get as many people to understand that feelings do not disappear, they have to go somewhere. So whether you are stuffing them, not recognizing them, they will be displayed usually in our romantic relationships and how we interact with our children, the types of friends, the types of people we keep around, those repeated patterns, they don't disappear. So you can choose how those feelings and the things come out by going to therapy and directly talking about it, or you can leave it up to your own devices, but they're gonna go out, feelings don't disappear. 
Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking to you. I want you to leave your Instagram handle mm. so everybody can get in contact with you. If they need services, they'll be able to reach you. So yeah. which camera are we looking at? This one? Yes. This one. So you can find me at uh, my website, which is www.myumimckinley.com. Um, I know my name is so complicated. M-I-Y-U-M-E. <laughs> or you can find me on Instagram, which is at epiphany underscore myumi. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. No problem. All right, folks, we come back. Chloe Bailey, Ryan Destiny, Justine Scott talk about their initiative when it comes to empowering girls. You're watching the Black Star Network, our Essence 2022 recap, sponsored by Coca-Cola. Back in a moment. Lots of oranges, half the sugar, 1,000% delicious. That's simple math. Say yes to simple. Made the simple way. With real lemon juice, 75% less sugar, and mm, mm, mm. Say yes to simple. Works uh, 2022 recap of Essence Festival sponsored by Coca-Cola. All right, that was a panel that took place uh, featuring uh, Chloe Bailey, Ryan Destiny, and Justine Scott talking about uh, the initiative uh, dealing with young girls. Our cameras were there to capture it. Here is some of that conversation. I love that. I want to talk about social media a little bit because when you said that, I had a recent conversation about blocking people and how hurtful it can be to block people. And I feel like a lot of times people are quick to do something like that, even with a minor offense, because like you said, you might take a small thing and make it big. But I wanna flip it. How has social media helped you maintain relationships? Chloe? Well, I'm with the blocking. <laughs> I'm with muting, blocking, all of it. <laughs> yeah, I love blocking people. <laughs> A black party is I, you know, I think it's really important to learn to create boundaries for yourself because at the end of the day, mental health is real and it's very important to put yourself first. And that's a part of self-care by creating healthy boundaries with people you know may or may not be good for you. So I definitely think, I know some people be like blocking's petty or whatnot, but it's really healthy, honestly. And when it comes to social media, it's like, 
a love and hate relationship because honestly us ladies we would not be up here talking with all of you if it wasn't for social media it's our way we've been able to connect with you guys throughout the pandemic and because of you all rocking with us for so long through social media that's why we're here so it's like I love it because I'm able to connect with you guys see you all face to face and share and feel the love that way so that constantly overrides any negativity that may come with it and of course sometimes you do see those comments or those things especially Twitter it's like you see comments right in front of your face Instagram you got to tap on a picture to look at it same with TikTok but Twitter it's like right in front of your face but I think as long as with anything in life you focus on the positive and don't let that one little negative thing kind of get to you it, you'll be fine but it is hard. We're human. It's hard. It's tough. Especially now, like we're constantly comparing ourselves to one another. It's like the world teaches you there can't be one, there can only be one great thing of that. And that's not true. We all can shine in our own light and our own power. And I think that's why it's so important to have sisterhood so that you can shine exactly the way you're meant to. I can shine, you can shine, you can shine. And we're, no, God made us completely different. So we all have room to grow and to be. Yes. I'm here for the growth, but I'm also here for the block party. So Justine, what is something that would get you blocked? <laughs> Tell it all. <laughs> Sorry guys. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you don't gotta give us too much tea, just yeah. a little tea. Yeah, she's right. Um, no, 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 block, honestly, I'm so, all right, so if I actually know you, it takes a lot more for you to get blocked. Also, because I think I'm a little petty myself, too. It's like, wait, I want you to see this. Like, you're about to, you're about to see me. Like, there's no reason to block you. But if I don't know you and you're just like a troll on the internet, it could be the smallest thing. The smallest thing, and I'm just like, block. Because like, you decide to be petty, and if I saw it, like, if I saw it, then I'm just like, all right, boom. Then you be like, but what did I do? And sometimes I'll see people be like, wait, why did you block me? And it's like, I honestly don't remember, obviously, but like, you probably said something that made me want to block. You said something crazy. Slightly. Yes. <laughs> so talk nice in Justine's comments, everybody. Because it's just like, the reason why is because people don't understand. Like, yes, we are, we are people that are in the limelight but we have emotions too so if you can get on the internet and like you don't know what it feels like you know what I'm saying like you don't know what it and Twitter can be funny until you're the one being like attacked you know I say that all the time like oh my god ha, that's so funny and then once people are like the energy is directed towards you you're like oh it it's not funny thing. anymore actually yeah. so I've even taken my approach back to thinking that certain things are funny online because I myself I'm sure like all of us on this stage have been in that position where we're just like, uh, it's not funny anymore. Like people are just, they just keep going. They just keep going. Like they wake up and they keep going and it's just like, no one's gonna stop. It was funny like the, maybe the first three times and now it just keeps going and it's just like, all right, well now in order to keep my sanity, like I don't wanna see that anymore. So let me block that out of my way. Cause it's unnecessary, it actually is unnecessary. I love that, please don't get blocked. To keep you from being black, though, I want to hear about love, lang love languages, but in friendships. What's your friendship love language, Ryan? Oh my gosh, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, I don't know, maybe acts of service. Like, I love helping people, like, when I can, you know, and offering that help. Um, I think words of affirmation, yeah. really big one for friendships. You know, it's like... It's such a simple thing to like send a text to encourage your friends. And I think 
we should just all do it more often, you know? It's, it doesn't take too much, and just yeah. those words mean so much at the same time. So I think words of affirmation is probably the top one for me, I think. Now that you ask. I think for me, it would have to be acts of service and physical touch. I, I'm such a hugger. I don't know, I'm like such a cling bear. And it's like, I'm like, yes, love, love. And you know, something I'm learning to do actively is like with the words of affirmation, because I think when we get caught up in ourselves and in our lives, it's like, yes, I'm so busy, but we also can't forget to reach out to our loved ones. And so that's something I'm actively working on because it's like, I want people to reach out to me and say, hey, how you doing? And it's like, it's also, you both have to meet in the middle. So that's something that I'm learning as I'm getting older when it comes to friendships and relationships and love and family that, you know, it goes both ways as well. Justine? Um, I would have to agree with both of you guys. Words of affirmation are certainly um, something that gets me. I like to reach out to my friends, even if you just think about it, like just send them a message, be like, how are you doing? Or love you, or you're doing amazing, or I love that yeah. performance that you did, or just, you know, it's just, you don't know when someone needs to hear it. And I'm sure you've heard that before. Like, you don't know what anyone's going through, even your friends, the people that you think you're the closest to, like, they may be having a down moment. I know sometimes I can. So whenever my friends reach out to me randomly, it just makes my day. Even if it's not just my friends, even if it's you guys, like seeing those messages that you send, I'm sure make our day. The videos, the just whatever it is, the TikToks, like we just, it just, it definitely helps. So don't think anything goes in vain. Yeah. All right, folks, that is it. If you want to see uh, that full panel, simply go to the Black Star Network app where we actually live stream the full conversation. You can check that out. Friday, uh, we are going to uh, have uh, our final recap show. Crazy, wild conversation with my man, Guy Tour. Y'all don't want to miss that. Also, y'all know uh, I ain't afraid to sit here and be with the people. And so uh, a lot of selfies, a lot of dancing that took place at Essence Fest. We'll show you uh, that as well. In addition to, uh, we'll show you a conversation uh, with uh, Pastor, let me get it right here, Cindy Trim. So uh, that's going to take place on Friday. Don't forget to please uh, check us out. Download the Black Star Network app on all platforms. Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, and Samsung Smart TV. That is it. We want to thank Coca-Cola for partnering with us uh, to not only live stream and cover events down in New Orleans for the 2022 Essence Festival, but also uh, partnering with us uh, to provide for you all of the things that we covered uh, and brought to you in these special recap shows. Thank you so very much, folks. I shall see you tomorrow right here on the Black Star Network. Holla! Lots of oranges, half the sugar, 1,000% delicious. That's simple math. Say yes to simple.
Made the simple way. With real lemon juice, 75% less sugar, and mmm, mmm, mmm. Say yes to simple.